ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. All right, welcome in. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy episode 669, Shane Dennis Show. Shane and Kyle Collier with you today. Here on Monday for the next couple of hours. Entertaining, informing, and whatnot. Here's how you can be a part of the show. Here's how you can enjoy the show. Number one, you can call us. We'll have giveaways all week like we normally do. And this is the number you need to qualify for things or to win things. 316-669-4996. That is your hotline to this show, to The Pulse with Pat Strothman. He's coming your way from 2 to 4. Give us a shout. 316-669-4996. The text line is open 24-7. Anytime you feel like reaching out to us, text us. 316-247-0923. If you have, here's how you can listen to us. If you have a smart speaker, KKGQ 92.3, that's us. Tell it to play that. The stream. ESPNWichita.com on the internet. That's how you can stream with your device, your phone, your laptop, your computer. ESPNWichita.com. That's also how you can listen to old shows, whether it's in its entirety, if you missed the whole thing, if you were in the store or on an errand and couldn't listen to an interview. Then just look it up, ESPNWichita.com. Everything that we say is on the podcast, ESPNWichita.com. So go there to relive some past shows or segments. 92.3 FM in your car, on your radio, tune in, etc. Spotify, etc. On your phone, follow us on Twitter or X. Be our friends on Facebook. It is February 19. It's the 50th day of the year. There are 316 days left in 2024. Also happens to be President's Day. And we're headed for a high of 59 degrees today in Wichita. All right. There's how you can be a part of the show. We've got uh, three guests on the show today and a weekend of sports to catch you up on. But before we do that... The aforementioned Kyle has a joke for you to make you laugh, I hope. A moment of levity, I believe it's called, The right? moment of levity, that's it, yes. Yeah, well, Shane, one of my 2024 resolutions was to get in better shape, you know, get that summer body ready. Uh, that's coming up here in a few months. But then I realized, you know, after about a week of dieting, my only chance at losing 10 or 15 pounds is going to a British casino. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. I had to think about it a little bit, but you got me. Yeah, That's thank good. you very much. Good, good way to start. All right, today's uh, February 19th, President's Day. Third Monday in February, United States celebrates the federal holiday known as President's Day. So uh, if you got the day off, congratulations and thanks for tuning us in. The day takes place during the birth month of the country's two most prominent presidents. So basically, Kyle... President's Day is in honor of two greats. Which two? 
Mm. One's got to be George Washington. That's right. Uh, let me go Thomas Jefferson. Mm. Abe Lincoln is the other mm. one. Uh, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, the day uh, once only honored President George Washington on his birthday, which is the 22nd. And But the day now, President's Day, that is, never lands on a single president's birthday. Also, it's National Lash Day, promoting the love and the need for true and false eyelashes. National Arabian Horse Day, National Chocolate Mint Day. Five days to tell you about tomorrow when we get there. February 19th, 1878, United States Patent Office gives one to Thomas Edison for the invention of the phonograph. 1906, John and Harvey Kellogg founded the Battle Creek Toasted Corn Flake Company in Battle Creek, Michigan, 1906. Uh, 1953, Georgia, the state, cre uh, creates first censorship board with the passage of House Bill 247. Georgia Literal uh, Literature Commission operated for 20 years, deciding which books were considered obscene and which were considered decent for bookshelves. Born Day. Jesse Hyatt. 1826, after Johnny Appleseed came Jesse Hyatt. He developed the apple known today as the Red Delicious. Also born on this day, Smokey Robinson, 1940. So he's 84. There you go. There's February 19 for you. All right. Shoot us a text. Anything you saw or heard over the weekend. That you want to sound off on. 316-247-0923. Here in just a second, uh, we'll catch you up on all things Shocker Sports. Pretty much uh, all of the winter slash early spring sports were in action. Most notably, men's and women's basketball and baseball. Catch you up on what all they did over the weekend. So some Shocker talk here in a second. Coming up in the second segment, as I'm sure some of you know by now that uh, following him on X or Twitter, our very own Jack Johnson is down in Surprise, Arizona, spring training. So we'll check in with him at 1225, give him a call, and see what's going on down there, his schedule of events over the next couple of days and the previous couple of days. So Jack will check in from Surprise coming up at uh, 1225 or so the twitter question x at espn wichita has to do with the big 12 men's basketball who's going to win it that's up right now so go to our twitter page and vote i'll tell you the four that i put up there coming up in a minute mike kennedy Voice of the Shockers will drop by at 1 o'clock. We'll give you his uh, State of the Union, how his health is uh, up to the moment. As I'm sure all of you heard on Thursday, Mike is going through some health issues, but has a tremendous attitude to this point and is responding well to this point. 
So Mike will drop by the studio. We'll have him in studio at 1 o'clock. So you Shocker fans and Mike Kennedy fans, perk up your ears at 1 o'clock. He'll be by, talk about himself a little bit, even though he's not a guy to do that most of the time, but I'm going to make him because uh, some things are more important than calling basketball games. So we'll check in on him, and he should be A-OK for the call on Wednesday night against Tulsa. So we'll talk to Mike. And then at 125, our segment with Matt Tate, our Jayhawk insider. We'll talk KU basketball. They beat OU over the weekend. Matt Tate's brought to you by Super Pools. We'll talk to him at 125. So two interviews in the second hour and – Jack Johnson coming up in about 17 minutes in the first hour. And then I'm old Kyle's young at the end of the show, Feb 19. And then Pat will be here and get him and y'all ready for the pulse coming up from two to four. So you got your number. The most important one is 2470923. That is the text line. All right. Over the weekend, it was a mixed bag for Shocker Athletics. And we'll start, first of all, first off with uh, the, the bad news. And that's the Shocker basketball team, the men anyway, uh, had a two-game swing through the Tar Heel State and came home empty-handed after dropping a pair of decisions to ECU on Thursday night and Charlotte yesterday. And on paper, the gettable one, the one you thought would be in hand, was at ECU, was in Greenville against the Pirates. And that was a game um, last year in Greenville. At Wichita State beat the brakes off of ECU. They were way up at halftime and ended up coasting to a win against ECU at their place a year ago. Um, and then the trip to Charlotte was the first one ever. Uh, Wichita State and Charlotte had never met in basketball. And so the trip to Houghton Arena yesterday was a first for pretty much everybody. And... That trip, uh, most new, would be the, the tough, the quote-unquote tough leg of the trip because Charlotte is enjoying a really successful season. They were 16-8 and eight and 10-2 and two in the league uh, coming into that game yesterday afternoon or yesterday, actually, late morning in the central time zone. But stubbing their toe in Greenville was a really the, the downer of the trip, and not that – the loss yesterday by 11 to Charlotte was acceptable. But, you know, Vegas told you that Charlotte is favored, the quote-unquote better team. Uh, they were in the midst of a long winning streak at home. The deck was more stacked against Wichita State yesterday than it was Thursday night at ECU. It was basically a coin flip game. The Pirates beat Wichita State in Wichita on January 24th by two points. And by pretty much all accounts and everybody's opinion, Wichita State played its worst game against ECU back in January in Wichita and still only lost by two points. So 
all signs pointed toward, all right, if they come out and play any kind of good game against ECU, hang on to the ball because the Pirates tried to turn you over, and they had 12 steals against the Shockers in game number one at Coke Arena. So if Wichita State takes care of the ball, they just play normal, should at least give themselves a chance at the end, if not to come out on top. Well, they really did none of that. Uh, right out of the shoot, ECU, while not taking control of the game, it wasn't going quite as well as planned. I think Wichita State led at one point 16 to 11 or 17 to 11, something like that. So had the lead, but pretty much fell apart when it came to hanging on to the ball and getting in their offense um, from about the under-16 media timeout all the way to halftime. And halftime saw them trailing by 11. And then it was pretty much playing catch-up the rest of the game. And they never really put anything together as far as defensive stops consecutively and then scoring on the offensive end. It was a really disjointed offensive effort or uh, execution, I should say. And uh, all things considered, apparently, East Carolina uh, has some voodoo on Wichita State because Shockers only scored 52 points here and Thursday night only scored 55 points in Greenville, losing 68-55. And that was a head-scratcher for pretty much everybody involved. And in the aftermath, uh, the words energy level were thrown around a little bit. And that was a real uh, confounding explanation for falling short against ECU. And old-school people, um, old-school fans will turn to, well, how can 18 to 22-year-old kids uh, who only play 30 games a year have low energy or energy being a, a culprit for not performing at the highest level in college basketball? And that's fair, I suppose. But it was really not a thing of beauty at all. And when you only score 55 points, as the ECU team, like Charlotte, they play slowly, uh, low possession. They're in Ken Palm adjusted tempo. Those guys are down toward the bottom. And Charlotte is sixth from the bottom. So, you know, uh, possessions are going to be like gold that you can't be turning the ball over. Um, and Wichita State turned it over double figure times in the first half against ECU. And that's what got them in the hole. And they're not exactly built for gigantic comebacks. You got, Colby Rogers, who is unquestionably the best player for Wichita State, but when you have an unquestioned, unquestioned best player, the other team can focus their efforts on said best player and let everybody else try to lead a double-digit comeback. And the results were predictable against ECU. The problem was digging themselves the hole that they did in the first half and not hitting outside shots. ECU was bound and determined not to let Quincy Ballard catch any lobs or Wichita State, uh, for the most part, do anything in the lane, packed it in, which also um, 
puts a lot of strain on Xavier Bell, for example, because he likes to do most of his work in the lane, finishing with little teardrops and hook shots in the, in the lane against smaller or weaker guards, but he couldn't do it. There were people in there, uh, bigs in there waiting for him. And consequently, Wichita State was left to shoot threes. They did have, by Paul Mills' uh, calculations, they had eight wide-open three-pointers. In other words, uncontested. There wasn't a guy within three or four feet. So eight of them, you're pretty much forced to take. you got to take wide-open threes if you're going to loosen anything up in the paint. Unfortunately, they missed 17 of the 21 that they took, and that sunk them Thursday night against ECU. Yesterday, it was a Charlotte uh performance wire to wire that was complicated by Colby Rogers picking up 2000 first three minutes of the game. Uh, and by the first media timeout, I'm pretty sure if not the second Charlotte had already shot seven free throws. And this is a team that's up among the conference leaders in free throw percentage at nearly 76%. And That was kind of a precursor for things to come because Wichita State never led in that game. Like the ECU game, they were down 11 at halftime. Unlike the ECU game, the energy level was much, much better, and they actually got within six, at least one possession, if not two, uh, midway through the second half. But a couple possessions later, Charlotte was up 10 or 11, and it was pretty much back and forth trading buckets uh, after that, the Shockers lose 72-61. to 61. So the effort was better against Charlotte, but frankly it had to be better against Charlotte because Charlotte's better than ECU, and if Wichita State played on Sunday like they did on Thursday, they would have probably gotten blown out. But that being said, a loss is still a loss, and Wichita State's men haven't won on the road, a true road game, since beating Coastal Carolina back in November in the Myrtle Beach Invitational. They will be home for two starting on Wednesday. That'll be an 8 o'clock tip on ESPNU. They will take on their rival Tulsa at the Roundhouse and then wrap up a two-game homestand on Sunday afternoon as they host Temple. That'll be on ESPN. So the next two Shocker men's games will be at home starting Wednesday night with an 8 o'clock tip against Tulsa. Meanwhile, the women's basketball team over the weekend uh, showed up big against a really quality Tulsa team that took apart Wichita State the last time those teams met on January 20th. Tulsa won that game by 23. But on Saturday, D.J. McCarty, in a performance for the ages, and what had to be super satisfying for her because she's had an injury plagued last couple of years and the unquestioned uh, leader for Wichita State and leader in many, many categories as far as active players, including games, games started, points, steals, assists. She had 26, so she saved her best for last. 26, a career-high 26 against Tulsa, and Wichita State's women made winning plays down the stretch and beat Tulsa 74-65. to So good for Terry Nooner and good for D.J. McCarty, who actually had a stretch this year um, where she had, uh, I think, four or five 
games that she missed in succession due to uh, a nagging knee injury. Uh, she really hadn't been 100% for a long time, but she was 8 of 18 from the floor, had five assists, two steals, and uh, she played 36 minutes. She also had to do it in part because Treasure Job didn't play. So knowing all, knowing that Treasure Job wasn't going to play, uh, Terry Nooner kind of put his faith in DJ McCarty, let her know, hey, you're going to get a ton of minutes today. we got to have you because those are the two primary ball handlers for the Shocker women, DJ McCarty and Treasure Job, and Job was unavailable. And it always helps when Daniela Abies does what she does, another double-double, 19 points and 13 rebounds for her. Sierra Morrow had 11 points and nine rebounds. So Morrow, Abies, and McCarty cover up for the fact that Treasure Job was unavailable and Solis Blow didn't score any points at all. And this was against Tulsa, an upper-tier team, and had the conference-leading scorer in Tamira uh, Poindexter averaging 20 a game. She was held to 5 for 17 from the floor. And, by the way, Shockers out-rebounded Tulsa 43-37 and forced 22 turnovers. So a really impressive performance by the Shocker women as they knocked off Tulsa. Always satisfying to beat Tulsa. Got them at home 74-65. And then they will go this weekend to Charlotte to take on the 49ers on Saturday at 3 p.m. And finally, the baseball team had quite an opening series down in Little Rock for first-year head coach Brian Green. Wichita State won the first two games in fine fashion, 18-5 and 14-zip before falling yesterday and having to settle for two out of three as Wichita State lost yesterday 5-4. to four. But they go 2-1 and one in Little Rock. They scored 36 runs on 39 hits in the three games, led by Ryan Callahan and Camden Johnson. Both those guys hit over 500 against the Trojans. Had a really impressive uh, debut for Daniel Zhang in the middle game of that series. Six scoreless innings, striking out eight. And Caden Favors, the uh, incumbent ace, was really good and ran into a little trouble in the sixth inning on Friday when he was likely uh, tiring. He ends up giving up four runs and five and two-thirds, so it makes his line look a little worse than what it really was. And the Shockers were up 12 to nothing at the time that uh, Little Rock touched him up for four runs in the sixth. And then the debut of Tommy Lapore was kind of up and down yesterday. The freshman went three innings, gave up three runs, and uh, Wichita State's offense was really quiet after the first three or four innings. But uh, Shockers overall with an impressive weekend. Shocker women, ba- uh, women's basketball victorious. The baseball team takes two out of three. And coming up this weekend, speaking of the baseball team, they have a huge uh, challenge in front of them. They go to Jacksonville, Florida, and will play Virginia on Friday, Auburn on Saturday, and Iowa on Sunday. Uh, at least two of those teams expected to make the NCAA tournament or be a postseason team with the NCAAs and go to regionals. So big-time test coming up this weekend for the Shocker baseball team. 
All right. We are off and running. Continue to bring us your text and your ideas or your questions or whatever. 316-247-0923. When we come back, we will go to Surprise, Arizona, Royal Spring Training. Our own Jack Johnson is down there. We'll talk to him when we return here on a Monday. It's 1224. Happy birthday, Seal. He's 61 today. It's 1228. Shane and Kyle with you. And joining us on Hotline from Surprise, Arizona, our Royals correspondent for the next few days or so, Jack Johnson's down there. Jack, greetings. How is Surprise, besides what I assume is the obvious, but lay it on me anyway. Well, first things first, I thought I was lucky enough to be entered in with Steel, and I was about to be real pumped that Kiss from a Rose is going to be my theme song for this. But uh, <laughs> it's his birthday, so happy birthday to Steel out there. But, uh, yeah. Uh, weather is great down here. Um, today's the first full squad workout, so you're getting a lot of, a lot of content down here. There's some, some bullpens going on to the left of me. There's some infield work straight in front of me. There's BP on field three. There's BP on field six. They're all, uh, kind of circling around. Like, you know, in training camp for the Chiefs with that big horn and they all rotate and stuff. Same stuff going on here. Uh, so lots of activity, lots of fans out here, by the way, as well. Yesterday was a little bit quieter, just really open to the media, really only saw pitchers and catchers. Stuff like that because everybody knew the infielders would be fully reporting tomorrow. But uh, yeah, exciting times here. Can't uh, complain about the weather. Can't complain about baseball being right around the corner. And the access, we've talked about this a bunch. The access to players during spring training is second to none. So, and I know you're a media member, obviously, so you're going to be able to get up close and personal with all the players. But as the fans come in, I think everybody that goes to spring training for the first time as a fan is blown away at uh, how close they can get to some of their heroes, right? Oh, man, it's it's such a great experience. And, you know, you got a, a couple of uh, young kids out here that are just, you know, gazing upon the VP of Salvador Perez and Bobby Wood Jr. And they look over the right. and You know, there's a uh, Michael Walker or Cole Reagan's throwing a VP. And it's, it's cool to see, you know, because this really is about the most access you can get, both as a media member and as a fan, like what's been – Fantastic. Royals PR has been awesome throughout this. Sam Mellinger, you know, got to give him a shout out that, you know, Clubhouse is open, you know, full access to interview whoever you want. Of course, there's certain protocols and rules that you have, you know, if you've been in the Clubhouse before. If guys are getting dressed, guys are on their phone, guys are sitting down, you just kind of leave them alone until there's a moment where there's a lull and you can go mm-hmm. over there and interview them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, you're close to the action. I mean, if you play like beer league softball and you go watch a game before, it's the same thing right now. You can be as close to that action as you are out here. And, and that's exciting because, you know, during the season, the only time you get that is if you get two hours early to the ballpark and watch some BP. But even then, you know, you're a hundred yards uh, from the action. This is really up close and personal and, and what an off season, what a year for the Royals to, you know, have so much excitement around the ballpark. So many fans out here, they're excited and lots of new faces. That's been the theme you know, these last two days, just how many new guys are here and, and how they're all meshing, which has been cool to see. I want to ask you, uh, get your thoughts on the Saturday deal, um, the trade that sent David Sandlin to the Red Sox in exchange for a reliever. His name's John Schreiber. Um, for those that kind of dive into such things like we do, uh, when it comes to baseball trades, mm-hmm. you prospects for relievers, 
Uh, kind of a dicey situation, at least on paper. How do you feel about this particular prospect for a reliever trade? Yeah, I think David Sandlin was a was a great prospect uh, for Kansas City. He was somebody they had really turned into what I believe was going to be something special. You know, uh, David Sandlin was you know not the greatest of arms for Oklahoma when they drafted him. His ERA was you know in the high five zeros and stuff like that. It just it wasn't like this guy popped off the screen. It was wow, mm-hmm. this is the first round pick. This is the one one. You know, I think it was a little bit more credit to the Royals development team, which has gotten a lot of praise at the minor league level. I mean. David Sandlin was an 11th round pick, ERA, like I said, near six. And then all of a sudden we turn him into a top five type of prospect on Baseball America, which at the end of the day, Shane, you go back to it, it's a bottom two system in baseball right now. So it's yeah. not like you're, you're giving away a top 100 here for a reliever. I think the Royals were very, very you know, adamant this offseason about building their bullpen, and they haven't been done. And, hell, I don't even know if they're still done. There's five new names of that bullpen. Um, they really like John Schreiber. Uh, he's somebody that was very successful for Boston over the last two years, three-quarter slot. So you give a little bit of a different angle there. Um, but I think they, they also knew that giving up David Sandlin was going to hurt a little bit. But they also want to make sure that this bullpen is solidified and, and you know, that one of those groups that can carry them from time to time throughout the season. Um, I think trading a prospect for a lever, that's more of things you see at a deadline, a trade deadline, if yeah. you're a buyer. Yeah. But here's the thing, and I have to bring up Rex Hudler's quote every time I, I see a trade like this, when the Royals acquired Andrew Benintendi for Khalil Lee, who ended up not doing much, and I actually don't even know if he's still in the Mets system, he said, you always trade a boy for a man. And David Sandlin's a boy, and John Schreiber's a man. John Schreiber's yeah. been a big league a reliever, an effective reliever for quite some time, whereas David Sandlin, you know, he's a college arm that just got to high A, so it's not like he was pounding on the door at AAA. It's not like he was going to be in the rotation this year. Could he be good? Yes, but you can say that for about any prospect in baseball. Can they be good? Sure, you can always you know, expect what they can be or project, but you never really know. I mean, David Sandlin could be a star. He also could be a guy that never makes it past double-A. You just don't know those things, and I think he had a good chance to. But also, I think this says a lot more about the Royals' uh, development team than it really does about the trade itself. I think they look at something like this and go, does it hurt to part ways with David Sandlin? Sure. Can we find another David Sandlin? Probably. He was an Mm -hmm. 11th-round pick, as I said. Not good numbers in college. So you developed him into something that made him attractive to a team like Boston who was willing to give up a reliever with three years of control. That's something that can't get lost in this. If this was a rental, Shane, I'm probably not liking the trade because you don't know how good you're going to be this year. You're hopeful you're good, but let's say John Schreiber's really good this year, the Royals are good, and they go, okay, we're going to hang on to him. We have him for another two years. Uh, and that, I think, is the good part of this deal. Yeah, David Sandler could be good, but I think it also shows the confidence in, in the scouting department, the development team, to go, all right, let's trade a David Sandler to bolster our current roster, and let's create another David Sandler. This may be an extreme example, uh, but to your point about uh, the quote by Rex, uh, I've long uh, subscribed to Rex's theory, too. I don't know if I ever put it quite that way, but I can remember back when there was a lot of heartburn with Royals fans when, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jack, I think Mitch Meyer, uh, no, 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 not Mitch Meyer. Uh, who's the guy, the right-handed batter that didn't use batting? Will Myers. He yes, got, he, Myers. he got, he got traded in a, in essence for Wade Davis, right? Yeah. So yep. we all see how that turned out and that's revisionist history, but, uh, Will Myers was the next big thing, but, 
never really totally turned into the next big thing at the big league level. And you look yeah. at what the Royals got for him. That's a perfect example of trading, you know, a boy for a man. Now, this uh, Schreiber uh, is a slider guy, but is a power arm when he's healthy. And he uh, uh, limited oppose, opposing batting average on his slider to 185 and a 166 batting average in 2022. Is is he a dude? Is he a piece? Are we going to are we going to see him battling for a spot in the bullpen? Oh yeah, I think he's already got a spot in the bullpen to be honest with you. I was able to get word the other day that I think he's supposed to be down here by Tuesday. Uh mm-hmm. so hopefully we will get a chance to see a bullpen or maybe a few of them before before we part ways here from surprise and Wednesday. But this is a guy that's got a lock spot. Assuming he's healthy, they traded for him so that he could be in this bullpen. And, you know, he's a guy that I really did like for Boston. You go back to 2022, he might have been the most, other, if not the most, one of their most effective relievers. His whip was below one, which anytime it's below one, when you throw over 60 innings, that's, that's something to take into account here. And I think also with that three-quarter slot slider, you know, a pretty firm fastball, that plays very well assuming you can command it. And I know he struggled a little bit with command, not too much, but more than he did in 2022 last year. You know, a little bit more of a, an increase in the walk rate. But, yeah, I, I don't see any any reason that he wouldn't make this team. Uh, you don't trade one of your you know, top 30 prospects for a guy that's going to be placed down in the minor league level. This is somebody I think they kind of envision as being a sixth or seventh inning guy, and, and they envision him being much closer to the 2022 version than he was last year. But even last year, I mean, those numbers would have been number one or number two in the Royals' bullpen. So, yeah, you talk about significantly raising the floor. J.J. Bacol and John Sherman did that with uh, bringing in Schreiber. So what's the uh, schedule of events uh, today and tomorrow? we got an inter-squad game. we got full squad uh, practices and things like that. When, when do things really ramp up? Yeah, today I'm kind of in the middle of it. We're out here by the Art Stewart Tower between fields three, four, five, and six, and you can hear a lot of the noise in the background because there's BP going on on four different fields at four different groups, and you know the sounds of baseball are back. But yeah, it's it's in full swing. You got a college baseball game, Oregon State and Minnesota, uh, back in Surprise Stadium. So this complex is is really you know popping off right now. There's a lot going on. Um, this is this was kind of the day they pointed to. They're like you know yesterday a little bit quieter. You know it was only going to be about you know 60 percent of the roster there. They were mm-hmm. here in Surprise, but the ones that actually showed up to the complex. The others didn't need to until today. So yesterday was a little bit quieter. It's full swing now for, you know, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday here. They've got so much going on. This is kind of the day that it all gears up because they play on Friday. Yeah, this week they got a game against the Rangers on Friday. I'm hoping that before we part on Wednesday, which our flight is until the evening time, so we should be down here you know, most of Wednesday afternoon, we'll get an inter-squad look uh, at least somewhere on one of these fields. But right now it's just good to see – some of these full swings out here. You know, you got the infielders over here, the outfielders on this other field. Uh, also a little bit of a, I don't know if this means anything, uh, but it's something to maybe mention. Uh, I've been looking at all the groups over here. Infielders, you know, seem pretty usually here. Bobby Wood Jr., um, Michael Massey. There was, mm-hmm. uh, who else? Benny Pasquantino. A couple of the depth guys, Garrett Hampson, Adam Frazier. And then I looked over the outfield group. Not that you can read into anything with this, or if it means much, maybe they just needed to even out the numbers here, but all of them were outfielders, except for Michael Garcia. He was the only huh. infielder that was over there with the outfielders. Read into it what you will. It could mean nothing. It could have been like, hey, uh, you're going to get more reps over here, so why don't you go over to this field? But I just thought it was interesting. You know, you got all the infielders over here on one field, and then with the outfielders, Garcia's over there. So I'll keep my eye out if he's taking outfield reps here, because 
who knows what that would mean if the Royals are actively in the market for a third baseman. But, yeah, in terms of back to what your question was, we're full swing now. You can hear the music. You can hear the bat. You can hear the carts rolling by. Uh, there is a lot going on. Final question before we let you go. Jack Johnson from Surprise, Arizona, giving us uh, some Royals updates. Uh, beyond the audio that you're giving us, um, talk to talk to us about some of the guys that you've uh, chatted with over the next couple of days and between this show and the Pulse with Pat. Who, who can we look forward to hearing from and little snippets from you? Yeah, I thought uh, Carter Jensen, local kid, Kansas City, was a, a really good, quick interview. That's kind of the way things are rolling down here. Mm-hmm. Not really any sit-downs. You kind of got to, you know, find the time to interview them before they get down to the field. So you hear some of those interviews. They'll be two to three minutes long. Got a chance to chat with Matt Sauer, Rule 5 pick. Great dude. Easy to root for. Man, James MacArthur uh, was a great little two-minute interview as well. Uh, I thought, you know, had, even though a lot of it was player speak, but you had some interesting stuff. I found out James MacArthur's been working on a cutter this offseason, which has kind of been the theme for Royals pitching uh, this offseason is – Got to develop another pitch, develop a cutter, develop a slider. That seems to be the two most common ones. Uh, but with, you know, Matt Sauer and MacArthur and Carter Jensen, you know, kind of ask them all the same question of, you know, what's it like being first big league camp or, or something where, you know, you're at a new team. Uh, like, you know, Matt Sauer is coming over from New York. It was actually his first big league camp. He's never been to one before. And he just kept bringing up, you know, all the veterans and how welcoming they are and how comfortable they make it and how loose everybody is. And, you know, sometimes somebody's going to look at that, one of those, you know, red asses, and say, well, I want them to be all buttoned up and tightened up and they take everything seriously. Yeah, I would say at some points in the season, but when it's, you know, surprise, when it's spring training at the day one, you want to make sure everybody feels good. They're having fun out there. That's, that's how the good teams roll. That's how the teams that start winning early on have because they've got a good camaraderie. They've got good chemistry. Everybody's laid back. And, yes, of course, when you need to turn it up a notch, when you need to dial it up, you're going to be ready to do that. But it's kind of hard to when you start off on the wrong foot, when everybody's kind of setting a hierarchy of who the best players are, who the mid-tier players are, who the bottom players are. It seems like they all, as a collective group, seem very much in tune, have really good chemistry, and you can see it you know, front and center right here at the, the complex. When are we going to hear from uh, – well, I know you got some Q audio, correct? Yes, yes. I'll okay. be able to get that over to you guys here pretty soon. And what about John Sherman? Will he speak to you all in the next couple of days? Yes, it will be in the next couple of days. I don't know if it's today or it's tomorrow, uh, one of those days. But also I think we'll get a chance to you know, chat with Alex Zumwalt. I think we'll have a chance to talk, talk with Brian Sweeney. So there will be a couple of coaches that are provided throughout these next few days. All right, sounds great. Jack, keep up the good work. Get back to work. Uh, thanks for taking some time. <laughs> Hey, thanks for having me on, fellas. All right, see you later. All right, Jack Johnson, there he goes. He's from he's in Surprise, Arizona, covering the Royals. And their spring training full squad workout, which is going on today, and uh, be listening throughout the week. We'll have a bunch of Royals audio from Jack, uh, be it players, uh, Matt Quatrero, and all kinds of sound between this show and the Pulse with Pat from 2 to 4. Uh, Jack will be down there for the next couple of days before he heads back and mans the ship like he normally does. Uh, well done, according to a texter. That was a really nice report from Jack. Well done. Thank you, texter. And absolutely, we'll continue to bring the Royals content to you uh, throughout the week. And uh, baseball just around the corner. College baseball, of course, is already cranked up. We told you about that in the first segment. Uh, we'll continue to get you ready for this upcoming weekend when they go to Jacksonville to play, take on three really heavy hitters in Virginia, Auburn, and Iowa. 
Uh, Shocker softball knocked off South Carolina, a top 20 team, this past weekend when they were down in Mexico. Unfortunately, their last game got rained out, but the Shocker softball team played a, a who's who of softball teams down in Puerto Vallarta, Clemson, South Carolina among them, but beat South Carolina in extras on, I believe it was Friday or Saturday. But anyway, the final final game of that uh, that get-together with Cal Davis was, uh, was canceled due to weather. So uh, anyway, some more Shocker talk coming up the rest of the week. Shocker men taking on Tulsa and basketball Wednesday night. And we'll have plenty more from Jack from Surprise as the Royals baseball season gets a little bit closer. All right, it's 1244. We'll talk to Mike Kennedy coming up at 1 o'clock. But before we get there, we need to get to the X slash Twitter question. It's up right now at ESPN Wichita. It has to do with who you think is going to win the Big 12 as the conference season winds down. But first of all, we need to give away some Kansas lottery tickets. We're really good at that. Uh, call Kyle. Be caller number three at 316-669-4996. $30 of cash blitz instant tickets on the line. Be caller number three. Get $30 worth of Kansas cash blitz instant tickets. 316-669-4996. Keep the fun going when you become a Kansas lottery play on member. Join today. Uh, go to playonkansas.com, sign up. It's free. So do that and call 316-669-4996. Good luck. Twitter slash X coming up next. Falco. Is 67 today. That's Rockne Amadeus from back in the day. Time now for our Twitter slash X question. And coming up in just a little bit, we got back to back interviews. Mike Kennedy, voice of the Shockers, will drop by the studio, get his latest health update, see how he's getting along as he gets ready for the Shockers in Tulsa. Wednesday night, so we'll talk to the voice of the Shockers, Mike Kennedy. And then some Jayhawk talk with Matt Tate. He's brought to you by Super Pools. Give them a call, 316-880-3900. Our Jayhawk insider, Matt Tate, coming up at 125 as KU dispatched of Oklahoma over the weekend. Speaking of KU, they are a part of the Twitter question that we got up today. Uh, at ESPN Wichita on X or Twitter. So follow us, vote and repost if you are so inclined. Appreciate you voting and reposting. Today's question, fairly simple, although the solution might not be fairly simple, but it's pretty cut and dried. Who do you think is going to win the, uh, who do you think is going to win a Big 12? Your options. Are nine and three Iowa State, nine and three Houston, eight and four Baylor, or eight and five Kansas? Kyle, who's going to win the Big Twelve regular season? You know what? I don't think it's crazy. 
to say Iowa State has a real chance. They've got a huge game tonight against Houston, so the winner of that game might have a leg up on the other. But That's right, yeah. Man, that might be the first, first team to 45 points uh, wins that one. <laughs> two, two really defensive-minded teams uh, squaring off. Uh, what of the four, to take this uh, a step further, I suppose, what of the four do you think has the best chance to make a deep run in March? You know what? I'm going to side with the more defensive-minded team. I think Houston can really just out-physical really mm-hmm. anybody else. I know Kansas really beat the brakes off of them you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, but Houston really just has all, all the makings. They, they have great depth, and I think that really matters for, for a deep tournament run. So Iowa State, 9-3, and three, Houston 9-3. and three. Those two teams play each other tonight. Baylor is a game back at 8-4. and four. Uh, Kansas is eight, uh, eight and five, so a game and a half back. And then you got a bit of a jumbled mess, I suppose. Uh, TCU and Texas Tech both at seven and five. Uh, BYU at six and six. And the team that KU just took care of, OU, six and seven. They got off to a really hot start. Uh, but it's pretty much a, a Big 12 cannibalizing one another. Uh, Texas at five and seven. Cincinnati. Pretty good showing for them, I thought, considering their maiden voyage in the Big 12. They're 5-7 and seven, right there with K-State, who's 5-7, and seven, who lost a heartbreaker over the weekend on a buzzer beater uh, by TCU. And so they are kind of bringing up the rear in the Big 12. They're down there with UCF, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. Uh, Texter says Kansas torpedoed their chance to win the league when they lost to an awful West Virginia team. Yeah, it didn't help, but... Uh, as it turns out, Oklahoma State got off to a terrible start, and they've somehow managed to win three games too. So uh, it's not out. And I guess if you want to take it a step further, KU didn't exactly help themselves by losing to UCF uh, a couple of days after UCF got dismantled by K-State. Uh, of course, that was very early on. And UCF in that particular game uh, didn't do much wrong when they beat KU too. But KU's only a game and a half out, and uh, it's – not the end of the world. They're running out of games. All these guys are running out of games to try to sew up the Big 12. But it's going to be quite a Big 12 conference tournament. Not unlike, in my opinion, the American conference tournament. You've got a, an absolute upstart in South Florida who just beat FAU in Tampa to get to 12-1 and in the league. And, of course, Charlotte dispatched to Wichita State yesterday. By 11, they're 11 and 2. They're right on the heels of USF. But this is shaping up to be an American Conference tournament that really could go anyway. Um, I haven't seen him in person yet, obviously, but a team that's surprising me the wrong way is Tulane. Uh, They're only 4 and 9 in the league. I think Wichita State wraps up with the regular season with them down in New Orleans, but they're only 4 and 9. They can really score. But yet they're eight games back of USF. You got USF, Charlotte, FAU, and SMU all bunched near the top. SMU just absolutely dismantled Memphis yesterday. Got over a hundred on them. And UAB is nine and three. So when you look at, as far as the American is concerned, when you look at the newcomers in the league coming in from Conference USA from a year ago, you got Charlotte, FAU, SMU, of course, is on their way out. But then UAB and North Texas are the next in the pecking order, and they're all brand new to the league. 
So all they've done is basically elbowed everybody except for USF out of the top spot in the league. And then you got, of course, uh, Rice, who came in for Conference USA. They're three and nine. Wichita State will get them later on. Wichita State will get Temple Sunday at home. They are two and 11. One of the two came against Wichita State. And the Shockers and UTSA down there at the bottom tied with Temple uh, at two and 11. So uh, that, again, long winded way of saying the conference tournament down in Fort Worth will be a very interesting watch, as will the Big 12 tournament uh, in Kansas City. And it's just around the corner, both of those. So, again, Wichita State with a game on Wednesday night against Tulsa at 8 o'clock and then Sunday afternoon against Temple. Uh, three of the next four for Wichita State will be at home, uh, interrupted by a trip to UAB uh, to take on the Blazers coming up February the 28th. Again, go to Twitter slash X at ESPN Wichita. Who do you think wins the Big 12? Iowa State, Houston, Baylor, or Kansas? So far, 75% of you say Houston at 9-3 and three is going to win the Big 12. Uh, 9.1% of you uh, have voted for Iowa State at 9-3 and three and Kansas at 8-5. and five. So a two-way tie but a distant second uh, at who you all think is going to win the Big 12. Baylor bringing up the rear at 6.8%. They are 8-4. and four. Uh, and in basically third place by themselves. So still plenty of time to vote and repost uh, what you think the Big 12 regular season winner will turn out to be. All right, it's 1257. Keep the text coming on the text line, 316-247-0923. Need to uh, remind you that coming up, eh, we have uh, National Margarita Day. That is later on uh, this week. It's the 22nd. And you celebrate with the best margarita lineup in the game. Whatever your go-to style is, whether it's House Peaks, Watermelon, Pool Party, or On the Rocks, Twin Peaks got you covered. 21st and Rock, Ridge and Taft, East or West. Score any of them for a special price all day long on February 22nd. This is National Margarita Day. Ask your favorite Twin Peaks girl for more information. All right, when we come back, it'll be hour number two. The voice of the Shockers, Mike Kennedy, will drop by. We'll let you know how he's doing. And in the aftermath of his Thursday announcement, probably been a little bit of a whirlwind. But we'll get an update from old Mike. And then also some Jayhawk talk in hour number two with Matt Tate, brought to you by Super Pools. Hour one down, one to go. Mike Kennedy coming up next.